It's that time again when we take two guys who think they know everything about science, place them in a bar and let them loose with a microphone. Welcome to the Beer Drinking Scientists. Let's hear what the boys are up to this month. In the end, you have to take a stand for some absolutes in our society. And I think what we're talking about here is a moral absolute. That is why I cannot support the legislation. That was the Australian Prime Minister, John Howard. The opposition leader, Kevin Rudd, said about this particular legislation, I find it very difficult to support a legal regime that results in the creation of a form of human life for the single and explicit purpose of conducting experimentation on that form of human life. So what is this legislation? Of course we're talking about therapeutic cloning. So welcome this week to the Beer Drinking Scientists. I'm Mark West and I'm joined here as always by Darren Osborne. And today we're not tackling global warming. We're tackling one of the other major scientific issues floating around in society at the moment. That of cloning stem cells, therapeutic cloning, creating a life to save on others, all that type of thing. How are you Darren? Once again, uh, it's great to be with you and I'm, I'm quite happy to be involved in this discussion. It's something that, as you, you quite rightly pointed out, is, is a major talking point in uh, both science and society. And this one has a huge quagmire of moral issues in which hopefully we'll try to wade into, but we'll probably, like two young kids in the cold surf, go running out screaming. <laughs> but at least, at least we'll uh, raise some interesting um, debate, possibly in your mind, after you've listened to this. You'll have to forgive us both because neither of us are biologists or know a great deal about genetics, but like two blokes in the pub, two scientists in the pub, we can wax lyrical about what we think we know anyway. And the reason why this is a big topic in Australia at the moment is because uh, the Parliament recently lifted a four-year ban on cloning human embryos for stem cell research, despite this opposition by the Prime Minister and other party leaders in Parliament. The new law allows therapeutic cloning which is the splicing of DNA from somebody's skin cells into an egg cell. So you've got an egg cell, you remove its nucleus, and you put in a nucleus from a skin cell, and then you grow it, or you grow this embryo, for 14 days, and then it is destroyed. But in this time, you're able to harvest its stem cells, which might be used to perhaps cure some diseases or something like that. What do you think, Darren? You might have to explain this a bit to me because I'm a little bit unsure. Why, why is it that we are using embryonic stem cells? Well, it's a bit of background. Stem cells are cells that everybody's got. And the beauty about stem cells is they haven't turned into anything else yet. So there are cells that can turn into liver cells, heart cells, skin cells, or whatever. Uh, they can turn into anything you like. So if you've got stem cells, you can grow them into something so if somebody has a liver problem you can grow it into a new liver and because that liver is made from their dna it's perfectly matched so you don't get any of the um rejection problems that you know like with the blood type you put the wrong blood type into somebody it gets rejected you don't get the organs being rejected because it's their actual dna and the funny thing is that adults have stem cells in them too there are such things as adult stem cells or semantic stem cells the thing that i still don't quite understand is the difference between using embryonic stem cells and adult stem cells and what what is the actual advantage from an embryonic stem cell like um i I think there's there's a fear within the public that we are transplanting life from an embryo which has been bred for the for the pure purpose of uh, of of a therapy um or experimentation uh and that might then sort of 
you know, create some kind of hybrid, you know, like the fly type scenario, you know, not quite with a fly and a, and a human though, but, you know, um, an embryo and its DNA mixing with another person's DNA. You know, what, what exactly is the difference? Well, it's not like we're getting somebody else's DNA because it's our DNA. It's my DNA in the embryonic stem cell. It's my twin, if you like, because it's uh, been made from my DNA. So we're making the embryonic stem cell, in your case, from your DNA. Why do we need the embryo? It's because you can only get the stem cells that we need from an embryo. You can't get them from an adult. There are such things as adult stem cells, which are undifferentiated cells that um, replenish dying cells in your body and replenish damaged tissue, but they're limited compared to embryonic stem cells. And the problem with these stem cells is they're actually a little bit more further advanced along the line of turning into something than embryonic stem cells. Embryonic stem cells you can literally turn into any cell in the body. Adult stem cells, instead of being able to genetically modify them into a liver cell or a skin cell, you can only turn it into one particular branch of cells. Adult stem cells are limited uh, because they can't differentiate themselves into all the different types of cells that embryonic stem cells can. So from embryonic stem cells, you can make any sort of cell you like in your body. From adult stem cells, you can't quite do that. At least that's what we think at the moment. So so let me clarify this just one more time. If we've got an embryo that is not being used for the purposes of IVF, to, to later be born, and it's going to be used to create embryonic stem cells... We're taking the cells from that embryo and then we are replacing its DNA with, in your case, your DNA to create embryonic stem cells for use in your therapy. Is that correct? Almost. In IVF, you get an egg and you fertilise it with the, the bloke's sperm. So you're actually making a genetically different child. In the therapeutic cloning, you're removing all the genetic information from the egg, you're removing its nucleus so it's just a casing, so to speak, and you're putting in all um, my, say, genetic information, so it's actually a clone of me. This is how they made Dolly the sheep. So it, it's, it's, it's similar in a way in that you make an embryo, but it's like you're actually cloning me to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the general public conception is that we're actually taking embryos that have been created through IVF processes or, or whatnot and and we're actually destroying you know a unique form of life you know a unique person where in actual fact as you've just described it it is a duplicate of yourself well that's a very interesting way of putting it because it's like we're producing my identical twin actually and there are plenty of identical twins out there who probably wouldn't who like to think of themselves as unique <laughs> So, I mean, it's not, it's not that we're just producing stem cells. We're actually producing a viable life form from which we harvest its stem cells. But the reason why a lot of people would, would think it's similar to IVF, because in the US they, re- they banned therapeutic cloning, except they allowed um, uh, experiments or research to be done on embryos that had been created for IVF. So whilst that's still allowed in America, that'll run out perhaps one day. In Australia, where the law is now passed, actually allowing you to create these embryos 
for the purpose of therapeutic cloning and research into the area, which is where the big controversy is. And where, like, for for once, Australia is being seen as leading the world, perhaps in this sense. Maybe maybe you don't agree with that ethically or morally, but at least, but uh, scientifically, we're one of the only places that has a law that allows that at the moment. In Brazil, uh, the Congress voted to allow research using embryos left over from in vitro fertilization, as we just said, uh, about the US, and it has upheld a ban on cloning embryos. But Darren, you know a bit about stem cells in Brazil. Yeah, there was an interesting story on CNN just recently about some research that's being done into type 1 diabetes, which which is one of those diseases that um, stem cell research is sort of being touted as um, uh, being one of the first areas to cure. And the, the, the researchers had for the last couple of years been conducting these experiments where with, with human patients who had type 1 diabetes and they were effectively switching off their immune system uh, and then using adult stem cells from the actual patient themselves to uh, reset their immune system, effectively like taking a computer that's crashed and just pressing the on-off button and resetting it. A very uh, interesting bit of research, but highly, um, highly dangerous, one would think, because when someone's immune system is switched off, they're effectively open to all sorts of attacks from all sorts of diseases and illnesses. But the results so far have shown that um, quite a number of patients have been now without type 1 diabetes for three years. And it's an interesting um, area of research that may, you know, who knows in the future become accepted practice. But at the moment, it's only being conducted in Brazil because no other country is game enough. So maybe uh, Brazil or South America or some other developing nation might be the source of, of, uh, of a breakthrough in, uh, in, in stem cell research. I'm sure people are going to have some very interesting comments to add to this and corrections to our comments. <laughs> I've got a good quote from um, CloneAid, the people who think, and hello to any CloneAid listeners, um, we embrace all religions here on the Beer Drinking Scientists, but um, as you may know, the CloneAid people, the Raelians, think that we're cloned from aliens, and that's where we all came from. So a couple of years ago, when I was actually working for Darren here, I asked uh, the spokesman for CloneAid, Jean-Francois Amonia, about cloning. And cloning were the company who were um, trying to be the first people to actually clone a human. And his quote was, Cloning frightens a lot of people, especially the people who believe in God. Because if we succeed in cloning a human being, it proves that we can create life scientifically, and God might not exist after all. That God doesn't exist is very hard to accept for those who have always believed in God. They don't want to be proven wrong, so for them it is important to stop scientists from cloning. Now that's an interesting reason to actually want cloning, a a religious one, because it disproves God apparently. What do you think of that, Darren? I I think it's more of a case of just wanting to stir the religious um, uh, yeah, sectors of society because I think what they're trying what 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 it essentially is it's a veiled attack on religion saying that the only reason you don't want it to go ahead is because you fear that if we are able to accomplish it then God does not exist and therefore your religion is is a complete crock for lack of a better term. 
Look, I don't know. I mean, the Clone Aid came out, when was it, back in 2002 or 2003 and claimed that they had created a clone in Italy. It was never verified, so we don't know whether it has been done or not. So, I mean, do they, do they still exist today? They do. I contacted them recently, actually, for a, for a, for a comment five years on. And this time I didn't get old Jean-Francois. I got um, Thomas Keinzig. And uh, he's vice president of operations at CloneAid, so they have an operations section, so maybe they're doing some cloning. And he, his quote was, more and more people understand the benefits of the human cloning technology. Being in favor of therapeutic human cloning has already become mainstream today, and the same thing will happen soon for reproductive human cloning. The ridiculous ethics, in quotes, argument brought up by opponents to human cloning is simply a last gasp attempt by deist conservatives and orthodox dogmatics to keep humanity in ignorance and obscurantism there's a good word through the well-tried fermentation of fear the fear of science and the new technologies luckily he says nothing can stop science there's a good line Oh, yes, it can. Funding, <laughs> or lack thereof, can stop it. Now, look, I, I think it's proved my case in point there, QED. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a fight against the religious, religious right, for lack of a better term. So, look, I think uh, maybe in wrapping up uh, this discussion about uh, human cloning and, and, and therapeutic cloning and that, admittedly, I'm very much still on the periphery of understanding what it's all about. And I think, you know, there are people out there who are probably listening to this who are much better um, educated and, and knowledgeable about it. I think what it highlights is that there has been a lack of clear communication about what it is and what its advantages are and, sorry, going back a step, what it really is about. And I think uh, while we've still got a lot of passionate um, religious, moral, um, and in some cases um, alien secular uh, <laughs> points of view, I don't think we're ever going to get a really clear um, picture of what it, what it is all about. And I think it's only ever going to stymie um, this form of research or this area of research. It's very true. There hasn't been a lot of genuine debate, has there, really? It's all fear-mongering and... I guess in the end it comes down to really what you think of a 14-cell embryo, whether that's a human life and whether you can make one solely for the purposes of harvesting its stem cells. It's probably what it comes down to. Yeah, it, it comes down to where you draw the line in the sand. Um, you know, as, as someone who was brought up as a Catholic, you know, we've always been told that you know, life begins at conception, um, at the single-cell stage. Um, other... Uh, groups believe that it starts at the four cell stage. Um, some believe it's 16 cells. Others believe it starts when consciousness, which you can't me really measure. Um, so, you know, maybe this is a debate that will never be resolved, and, you know, who knows. Another type of group of diseases in which stem cells uh, research is supposedly going to cure are some of those motor neuron type diseases like Hodgkinson's and Parkinson's. And, and it's interesting, every time there's a story that comes up on the news and the interviewer asks the scientist, when do you think the, the, there'll be a cure for this? The, the bog standard answer, which seems to be very common these days in science, is oh, it's another decade or two away. 
But I was recently listening to, uh, to, to a story on PM, which is a sort of documentary-type news show on uh, one of the radio stations here on the ABC, and there was a, a, a gentleman who was suffering from uh, motor neuron disease, and he's been involved in, in business, and he's uh, become quite successful, but he's been struck down by this disease. And he started funding a sort of research group that is coordinating... Um, research into motor neuron disease and sorry if I've got picked the wrong one here but I'm pretty sure this was the the area that was being looked at and he said part of the problem in the research in these areas at the moment is that everything is done uh, separately and sporadically um, or uh, and and not in a coordinated approach so that um, while uh, you may get the odd advance here and there uh, it's only through scientific literature that people then sort of advance the knowledge but there's no coordinated approach and what he's done in 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 not only australia but in a number of countries now is he's kind of got like this broker brokerage type thing that's going on where he is helping to fund um, different areas of research and coordinate it all. So if one person is working on, I don't know, stage one of the research, he's got someone else who's working on stage two and is in constant contact. And and he's hoping that through this research they might be able to accelerate the advances uh, which might lead to a cure and shorten the timeline from, from a decade or two to maybe three to five years. And it's just an interesting approach, taking like a business model to scientific approach so that you know, instead of just letting people do their own thing in different corners of the world, actually getting them and forcing them to work together, um, you know, the stick with the carrot being, you're going to get funding from me. Well, it sounds interesting because you can do that sort of stuff over the internet now, I guess. Using it, you can try and coordinate research between Germany and New Zealand. That's true, but I think the the, the problem is that unless you, you've... Let's say there are two groups, one in one in Germany and one in Australia. Unless both of you have got secured funding, um, if one of the funding pools dries up, then the other team, say the pool dries up here in Australia, the team in Germany are left hanging because they may be dependent upon the results of your research. So I think it's an interesting research. It's an interesting business model for research. And I think maybe particularly in this area, we might see it happen a lot more Um than other areas because you know this being human biology there there is a um a strong investment in it but not just financially um whereas you know i don't think you're going to see the same thing in climate modeling or climate climate change and, and that sort of thing big pharmaceutical companies and such things so is this guy he's not going to fund them himself it's not his dying wish some dying oil tycoons wish to fund science around the world is it no, I, I don't believe he's personally funding it, but I think he's using his sort of management skills and, and he is also to, 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 to try and coordinate this and, and also I think to, to, to assist in getting the funding as well, the grants and so forth. And look, forgive me, I don't have the information here in front of me, but I will include it, uh, links to it in some show notes that we'll put up on this particular episode. It's an interesting question to take this a little off science actually is just science at the moment or science throughout history has moved rapidly forward and these days if, if business models like this come through and um, some people happy over the road uh, we're going to see science you know continually accelerating accelerating and um, human knowledge increasing you know exponentially problem problem arises is whether our uh, ethical and moral development can keep pace you know right now I don't think society is at all clear on 
whether cloning is acceptable uh, on that level. Yet we're very soon going to have the technology to do this uh, reasonably easily now, uh, easily into the future. Um, you know, the way that we can now do blood transfusions very quickly when the blood bank has blood. But you know, it's an easy technology. In the future, it will become that. Will we catch up ethically and morally? Maybe, maybe that's an open question. I, I don't think we're even that far advanced at the moment, to be honest. Um, another story that that's come out just in the last few weeks is. Uh, following hot on the heels of of um, the the Korean the South Korean sort of scandal with uh, with the cloning, I, I can't recall his name. Mark, you'll 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 mention it in a second for me. But uh, another university uh, professor had claimed that they've they've cloned wolves. Uh, late last year, I think it was in December, they published the results, and the university has now been tipped off by an, an anonymous researcher to say, "Look, this is this is all baloney. The, the figures have been fudged." Um, uh, yeah, it kind of brings into question whether whether we are being quite successful at this or not, um, particularly, you say, in the cloning side of things. Uh, so, you know, are, are scientists being open and honest? Are they actually telling us what, what achievements they have made um, or are they sort of glossing over or, or making them sound a bit better to secure their funding? It's an interesting question. A lot of, a lot of scientists around the place think themselves... Um very pious, I guess, because there's this whole scientific idea of peer review, and so if you get something published, you know, it has to be reviewed by many people, so therefore it's credentialed and all the rest of it. But then you get guys like, his name is uh, Juan Wu Suk, South Korean guy who claimed that he, um, you know, cloned a human, which was found to be fraudulent. He f- defrauded all this money out of the, the government and, and his investors. Um, although he uh, actually, one thing he did do. Um, which he didn't lie about. He cloned a dog called Snuffy. I think it was Snuffy or Snuffy or something along those lines. Um, he also tried to clone a mammoth, as in an extinct mammoth. But uh, and he, I think he, he didn't tell people that's what he was doing, but that's what he embezzled their funds to do. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't successful there either. So, uh, yeah, you got some dodgy guys around the place. It reminds me of, uh, was it Mike Archer, who was the head of the Australian Museum uh, a few years back, attempting to to clone the thylacine, the Tasma- Tasmanian tiger, which was an animal that became extinct, I think, in the 1930s. Uh, it was a marsupial uh, animal, looked very much like a sort of dog, really, um, with stripes. You see, this is an interesting thing. I mean, should we be using this sort of cloning technology is to bring back animals from the dead or even those on the brink of extinction. My personal view, probably not. Um, I think um, not for the sake of trying to bring them back. If it's to prove that uh, certain technologies can be done, maybe, but you know, I, I have this view that even animals that are on the brink of extinction, I think sometimes we have to get into envir- you know, a thing called environmental triage where, you know, just like the doctor in the emergency ward um, sees all the patients coming in and, and doesn't necessarily grab the one who is uh, um, the most wounded or closest to death, um, sometimes has to make the call that uh, they have to grab someone else who uh, is more likely to recover but wouldn't if they take the person who's going to die and effectively they're going to lose two instead of one interesting ethical dilemma i mean created out of another one that's being created <laughs> i think we're doing a lot of cloning <laughs> that's true well i don't think we'd be i don't think our first stop would be going back and um 
extracting DNA from mosquitoes encased in amber to recreate Jurassic Park. Um, but cool. it would be very cool. I don't know. Like it, if the the environmental triage is a interesting, it's an interesting concept. And if we've got the choice, I guess you, you're right. We should probably save the ones that can be saved. As it. So say we've got our African white rhino, which we think is not necessarily on the brink, but it's on the way, compared to the uh, hairy-nosed wombat, which is um, just about to die. Essentially, there's only a couple of them left. You could probably save the white rhino with some, with some zoos, and, and if you stopped cutting down its forest and all the rest of it, cloning might be all that's left for the hairy-nosed wombat, uh, and it's our fault that it's, that it's on the way out. But they're different resources. Why can't we do both? Probably because then we would say, why aren't we using the funding for cloning to uh, help cure Parkinson's? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think there's a, limited, there's a limited bucket. There's always a limited bucket when it comes to science. One, one of the most famous clones of history would have to be Dolly the Sheep. And I, I'm not sure if you know of this, Mark, but this is for your next trivia night um, and for everyone else who's listening. Dolly got her name because she was cloned from a breast cell of her genetic mother. So a breast cell was taken from, I suppose, the outer region of the sheep and uh, cloned. And, of course, she was named after someone of uh, someone else who was famous for um, breasts, Dolly Parton. That I did not know. There you go. That's very cool. <laughs> well, the thing about Dolly the sheep, a part of this... Um, cloning thing is this premature aging and I thought that this was just a myth I was thinking how can something that's cloned prematurely age but apparently it's actually a, a, a real um, a real factor it's caused by a, a part of the DNA called the telomere now what you've got when you get therapeutic cl- cloning let's say we were going to clone Darren we'd take his genetic genetic material and put it in egg cell so that egg cell is actually how old are you these days Darren 25 the, the, the DNA in the egg cell, egg cell is actually in its mid-30s as opposed to just being born. And um, what happens when your cells divide is you've got this area of your DNA called the, the telomere, and it's reduced at every cell division. And in its life, there's only so many cell divisions it can do before it no longer exists and, and you die. So there's a, cell, there's a cell death that occurs at that stage. And I think with humans, the I don't actually know this. Someone might be able to tell us. I think the maximum age... Um, because of this is about 250 years or something so even if we can extend our lives our cells can only divide so many times now the problem if we take darren's dna it's already had um 30 odd years of dividing so if we were to clone him it wouldn't live as long because it's it's already divided a lot there's an interesting interesting idea that's very interesting um just out of interest what did dolly die of you know what i don't know So that's our take on therapeutic cloning, genetic modification, and just the cloning topic in general. Two blokes sitting around and talking about stuff they know not a great deal about. So if you would actually like to enlighten us with some actual facts and not just the rambles of two blokes in a pub, you can email us at uh, beerdrinkingscientists at gmail.com or you can get over to uh, the show notes and you can grab the podcast at bds.podbean.com. So from Mark and Darren, we'll see you later. And now we're going to go and have a chat to some of the punters in the bar and see what they think of cloning. So if you could be cloned, would you be? Sure, but only in a miniature size. So you want a mini-me? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a mini me will be really cool. I mean, you get into all sorts of places that you couldn't normally get into. Yeah. <laughs> Would you be psychically linked? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that'd be also pretty cool. And if you could kind of, I don't know, get some kind of weird powers that you could, when you combine, like Transformers, like Voltron. <laughs> like Voltron? So then I guess it goes without saying that if, you know, you or your someone, some loved one was, was sick and the only way that they could be cured was through some therapeutic cloning or something, you, you reckon that'd be all right? Um, seriously? I'd have to say no. No. Yeah, if, if the cloning was only for, like, to make... 10 cells or something in a baby. Is that too many? I would say that's fine, but yeah, you're right. Where do you draw the line? I mean, you can't... As long To me, as long as you don't create like a whole living... Well, you always be living, but like something which has a consciousness, then to me that's reasonably ethical. You can support somebody else's health through transplantation or donation and that can be very different than cloning and I think cloning takes it another step that it, it is it's a, it's a whole new area that I think is very different than being able to support somebody through a disease process somewhere in the middle there is like growing a new liver out of your out of your cells and the only way to do it is to create an embryo of 10 cells big is that is that morally bad Look, I don't say it's morally bad. I don't think that I could agree with it because it's hard to know where the end point is. And I believe in some way a Darwinian, it is a bit survival of the fittest. And I think it's a fine line between where you want everybody to survive and where some people have to die. And it's whole death and dying. I think we have to accept to a certain point that people are going to die and that's part of life ironically is that death is ultimately part of life and I don't think we can support everybody in this life and I think it's very difficult to decide who lives and who dies and I think that's one of the big issues with where we go with cloning and and being able to want to try and give everybody life and that may not always what the intention was when we were born in the first place. If it was my sister or my kids then I would say sure. Whatever you need, build another liver. Part of the issue is we don't accept that death is part of life. And I think for all of us, we want to preserve life ultimately to the end. And I, and I believe, what is that end point? And none of us really know. And we accept that at 85, you've had a good life, but at five, you haven't. And I agree, but does that mean that we go down this path? And what is that? Because I don't believe we ultimately know what that end path is. And I think that could be very scary same for you know I had pneumonia when I was three yeah 50 100 years ago I would have died take it another step and and I offer some of my stem cell whatever for a liver for my children is that you could argue that it's the same as providing an antibiotic for pneumonia we have to define what actually cloning is what what is cloning what is bone marrow transplantation what is donor organ I believe in organ donation, I believe in bone marrow transplantation, but I believe cloning in itself, I don't think we have a defined definition of what that that is, and I think that that can be very different. Um, I was just going to say that I think there are some areas of medicine that you could put the funding towards that could save a lot more people. Um, 
particularly things like finding um, a effective malaria vaccination. Yeah. And so I think it's 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 sending medicine in an area where there's going to be um, perhaps a lot of value because it is providing um, some benefit for first world. Um, whereas um, it's a bit like this whole space travel and funding space travel. I just find that it is um, public purse being wasted. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be better off working on water purification than cloning or yeah like you say malaria diarrhea then they die of um you know sort of dysfunctional livers or sort of genetic diseases i mean you know that's that's basic you need to look at sanitation and 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 all those sort of basic malaria aids all those sort of you know tuberculosis like defining age we all want to be 20 for the rest of our lives so i think we see that finding a cure for every disease that we come across is ultimately what the aim is, but I don't believe that's what it should be. I think we, we're losing track in some ways of what life is. You know, I, I think what you have to do is you have to remove yourself from the person or, the, or, or relating yourself to a personal situation because I have a really close friend who has an incredibly sick child who has kidneys that don't work and um, of course, you know, for her and for them, I would want uh, this kind of uh, medical development. But I think uh, governments and um, institutions um, as a whole have to uh, think outside of the person and think of people. Yeah. Yeah. Stem cell research, cloning, I don't think there's enough information in the press about it. And I think at the moment, so whether or not I want a clone of me, be fantastic, but don't tell the missus in whatever country I might be in at that particular time. Stem cell research, quite possibly a good idea. Cloning to have lots of other people for, say, um, yeah, redundant organs and stuff like that, not entirely sure. But I'm not informed enough to know about it. As I say, what do we know about anything? This episode of The Beer Drinking Scientists was produced by Mark West. For show notes, visit the website at bds.podbean.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for Mark West or Darren Osborne, send an email to beerdrinkingscientists at gmail.com. I'm Tilly Berlin. Thanks for joining us.